0: If you kind of like fitness, then you'll definitely, definitely love this podcast. podcast. You
1: are listening to the Fit-ish Podcast, where you'll hear a lot about fitness and a lot about other-ish. Other Ish.
2: Other.
0: On today's episode, we have a registered dietitian with us. It's Haley Gorski. We talk about how she got into being an RD, what led her there. We talked about different things like intuitive eating, counting calories, gut health, the next diet trend, things like that. And then we get down to what does she eat in a day? The whole episode is highly entertaining. We try to disagree on some points, but in the end, we agree on many points. I think we are just too smart for each other. And then at the very end, we go over some TikToks and do some blind reactions. That's always fun. So today's episode is a great one. If you want to listen to a registered dietitian talk about her experience with her own eating habits and as well as the eating habits of her clients and the general population, this one is the perfect episode for you. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Fit-ish podcast where fitness isn't only our fetish, it's our passion. We've got a passion for fitness. We love to talk about fitness and all things fitness, and we like to talk about things that don't relate to fitness, but we try to relate it back to fitness in the end. Fitness, we cannot escape your presence. Today, we are joined by the Tipsy Kale underscore RD, also known as Haley Gorski. Did I say that correctly? Did I get your handle right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Haley, tell us a little bit about you, just your background and how you kind of became an RD and maybe where you're living right now and your plans for the future.
3: Yeah. So, thank you so much for having me. So, again, my name is Haley Gorski and I'm a, di- I'm a dietitian and I'm the creator of the Tipsy Kale. And that's where I help young women break free from restrictive eating and find new ways to reach their health goals through Nutrition Tipsies. And we don't, you know, get rid of the fun. There's no sacrificing there. Um, So I got my degree from UW-Madison. I studied dietetics and nutrition there. And I also studied entrepreneurship, which was really fun. And that had a lot of influence with what I'm doing right now. Uh, I did my dietetic residency at Loyola University in Chicago. And I'm currently in Florida, but likely moving to L.A. after a couple months. Um, But going forward, um, I'm kind of just working more in my virtual private practice, and I love working one-on-one with girls and just anyone who needs more nutrition support and guidance.
0: Whoa, so young, but so successful already. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Um, So can you talk to us more about the RD and how that program works?
3: Yeah, so currently to become a registered dietitian, you need to go to a university that has um, all the science classes. So anything from OCHEM to physiology, zoology, chem one and two. I did not realize that when I was going to be a dietetics major, but you know, you got to go, you got to roll the punches. Um, but it's a very heavily science-based major. Um, and then after your four years of studying nutrition and science, you have to go into your dietetic residency. It's also called the dietetic internship, but it's Kind of like a med students need to do they need to do their med- their residency and this is 1200 hours of supervised practice and different um rotations whoa so
0: 1200
3: 1, 1200 oh yeah and it's unpaid
0: oh my god <laughs> uh, how, how many years did that take
3: so it honestly it was just one year but oh. i mean i was like doing that full-time i was also a student because the program i was in it was a public health certificate so I always do my rotations and then once a week we'd have, you know, be working nine to five or whatever hours it may be. And then Wednesday we'd have to go into campus and be there for three hours for a lecture. And like, who doesn't want to do that after a full day of working? so (laughs) So that was quite fun, but this was in public health. I had rotations there and that was very eye opening. And especially before the pandemic, this was still in person at this time. And it really taught me a lot about, um the importance of knowing the nuances of nutrition and we always talk about nuances and everything else but um especially right now so many people are suffering because they can't afford food they don't have access to food people are having to deliver things and there are just different things around that and it makes it very difficult for people to not just get healthy food but just get food on the table so as a dietitian it's important to know that because of course we want to keep people eating the most nutritious foods ever but that's not feasible for most people right now. And they just can't even afford that. Um, Also like transportation things like that. So I really developed a deeper understanding about the importance of nutrition and just food access during that rotation. And after that one was clinical. And that was when we got to the nitty gritty. I was was working with like residents and stuff like that. It was so intimidating as a dietetic intern. I was prescribing tube feeds and things like that, but that's like the very hands-on clinical heavy stuff and I love that but it just wasn't really my vibe I like a lot more light-hearted stuff and clinical <laughs> I don't really fit in very well there and then food service is the last one and that was all done virtually um so it's food service management kind of overseeing the efficiency of um, food service operations looking at the costs and things like that but as a business moment, like I love to learn about that and and how uh, the importance of being efficient.
0: Wow. And what's your background? Like, how did you get into nutrition and how did you decide on an RD?
3: Great question. So I've always been a foodie and every nutrition major would say that, any anyone in that field.
0: Right.
3: Um, but I think what I really, really wanted to get into it was I would talk about like healthy food. I would, you know, try new healthy recipes and swapping out ingredients to make it a little bit lighter, more nutritious. And people are like you like healthy food. It's so boring. And I'm like, Oh, girl, I'm going to show you. So I decided to go into my major city, all the sciences and everything. And my whole mission now is to just make a healthy lifestyle fun, and help people understand what their definition of balance is, because everyone thinks that, you know, it's very polarized, you think you have to eat super healthy, just kale and chicken all the time, or you're a party animal just drinking alcohol all the time so that's kind of where the tipsy kale came from originally (laughs) Um, it's all about balancing the more indulgent things with the nutrient dense things and finding what balance and moderation means to you because it means something different for everyone
2: yes (laughs) balance is in the eye of the beholder yeah
0: there's Monica's cliche quote, quote, number one for the day. All right, we're going to get some <laughs> more cliches later, too. I love I love Monica's little cliches. Um, hey, Haley's
2: got them, too. I'm sure she'll, she'll pitch <laughs> in soon. Yeah, hello, cliches. <laughs>
0: um, I just have so many questions, and I think one of the first ones, and then Monica, you can ask uh, another question that we have later, but Haley, how do you feel about, I mean, obviously, the program that you went is very intensive, and there's a lot of, both hands-on clinical stuff, as well as maybe some back-end stuff that you learned throughout your many years studying. So how do you feel about these like nutrition certificates that kind of come out and you can just do them in six months and then become nutrition certified? Like if I really wanted to, I could go to NASM, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and get my nutrition cert in like three to six months and then start to help people on their nutrition, but obviously three to six months isn't as much as four plus years of like this more hands-on approach that you learn. So how do you feel about those types of nutrition certifications?
3: Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Cause I mean, first off, like my mission as a dietitian, again, is to help people reach their health goals and just feel confident finding that balance. Um, And I think it's so important for people just to kind of create their own, ideas around nutrition and food, because everyone has their own experience of it. So I am excited to know that people out there are super curious to learn more about nutrition, and they want to help other people find what their balance looks like. Um, It can, I can't speak exactly to what these certifications are, because I truly have no idea what what extent it is. Um, And when I look back at my training and my education, I'm trained in medical nutrition therapy. So I can help manage or potentially reverse um, certain chronic illnesses and medical conditions. Um, and anytime someone comes to me, whether I'm at a party or whether I'm in my virtual private practice, people are like, girl, I got IBS. I have this. I have that. Everyone has some kind of medical condition going on, even something like anxiety. And um, it can be very problematic. when you do have people giving nutrition advice and they aren't necessarily trained on the nuances of that condition or whatever that may be. Um, I think they can be helpful. However, they have to be very careful about how far they go with um, their current knowledge on nutrition, whatever that training may be. Um, Cause it can be helpful. Again, we want people to just feel confident educating themselves, but um, they do need to know their limits too. And kind of what they say within their little scope.
0: Right. I'm just gonna. So we love to disagree on this podcast, or we try to. Uh, um, I think Monica and I have talked about like Clubhouse before, and Clubhouse becomes a huge echo chamber where everyone is agreeing. So for every topic today, I'm not roasting you. I'm just gonna take the opposite side. That way we can kind of Let's yeah up. have some different views. Yeah. We don't want to hear too much agreement today. Um, I think that the nutrition certifications, I think they might be doing more harm than good. And the reason that I say that is like, I see a lot of people with a nutrition certification give a lot of advice on the microbiome and gut health is the biggest one. Everyone loves gut health, loves to talk about gut health and how celery juice can affect the pH of your gut. And same with the apple cider vinegar, all those different things. Um, I'm sure we've roasted some TikTok videos in the past, and I'm sure we will today but I think it does more harm because how 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 can someone who just got a nutrition certification within six months know more than some of the top leading experts? And the experts don't even know that much on the microbiome. Uh, my, the microbiome class that I took was my favorite one. And it seems like for every discussion that we had, it ended with, we just don't have enough information. There's only been 10 years of research. I think Robert Knight is one of the uh, huge proponents of looking into the microbiome for personalized and precision medicine. And I mean, if you're saying that you know more than the guy who essentially founded microbiobial research for the gut, like, oh my gosh, why, why aren't you getting the PhD, right? Why are you just getting a nutrition certification? If you really are the top leader, then you should have gotten your PhD already. You could create so much good information for academia and the health space, but Maybe you're holding yourself back and not doing that. So how can I trust you to be the expert when even the experts don't know as much as you do? So that's why I think it could be harmful. Oh, and I kind of
3: to piggy to piggyback off of what you just said. Um you Piggyback.
0: Oh, Jude. piggyback. That's my <laughs> Let
2: me reverse cowgirl off Let of me, that oh really my quick.
0: God. <laughs> oh my gosh.
3: backflip your comment about celery juice and things like that um again back to the research you got to bring it back to the literature and I think a lot of people don't understand how to do that but I think what's super important to um point out about that and Monica touches on this all the time on her TikToks but the access and the affordability of certain things Um, with celery juice I'm not a person who ever recommends it if someone enjoys it I'm like yeah girl go for it but you're not getting the fiber and it's just expensive and a lot of work for me personally it doesn't it's not something I'd want to do but a lot of these people are kind of recommending products and certain fad, interesting whatever um, I don't know recipes or cocktails whatever else and they're recommending those that it's going to remedy certain things and Um, first off it's super expensive and it's also kind of it's selling false promises to people so it's giving people the false hope that they're going to be able to reverse this autoimmune disease when we again don't even know that much about so many autoimmune diseases and things like that so that is I do agree with that it is problematic Um, so again you kind of got to stay within your scope and know what you know and know when to stop again it's also your messaging too
0: yeah, yeah, those false promises is I think the biggest killer, and it goes back to the point where it's like, oh wow, you found a cure for obesity? Why are you trying to sell it to us instead of giving it to the whole world? Like you, you found the cure with apple cider vinegar. This is the cure, right? A so lot of you it,
2: like- drink it. every morning, I take a shot. No, <laughs> a oh, lot man. of it too. I think is education. People just don't know any better, and they are. I mean, I don't want to. They don't do their own due diligence to research like more if they see content they're going to be like hell yeah I'm going to buy that whatever that celery juice or that waist trainer or whatever and because both are so nuanced fitness and nutrition like um if some some people get really excited when they find something that actually does work for them and they don't really um Take a step back to recognize like, okay, maybe you did start making celery juice for yourself every morning. We've talked about this before where they start developing more habits like that, you know, snowball and accumulate into creating like a better lifestyle compared to whatever they were doing before. So again, it's like, it's not that thing. It's not the celery juice. You know, I think that it's part of a bigger picture. But the education part.
0: Education part. Yeah, there's a George Carlin quote that says, think of how stupid the average person is and realize half of them are stupider than that. So that's just from the comedian George Carlin. And I think about that quote and a lot. I
2: I, of- I get that. Yeah, I resonate with that. I might yeah. be in the lower <laughs> half there. I don't
0: know. Oh. Oh man. Okay. I think we had some more topics, and I think the next thing I want to talk about, Monica, you can always chime in too, uh, if I'm talking too much. But fasting and intermittent fasting, and is this something that you use in practice? Do you see the b- benefits? Let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's look into the research, and let's find some points we de- disagree upon. So, I guess too on-,
2: on that when you would prescribe that to somebody, if if you would, which I don't know if you do, but um, yeah, just for your Let's
0: hear it.
3: Yeah. So I guess I, I talk about this a lot with Monica too, but when it comes down to why you're trying a certain bad diet or why you're trying a certain ingredient or whatever it else may be, what's your intention with making that change? So let's say you want to try keto diet. What's your intention? The keto diet was founded literally to help children with epilepsy in I believe the 1920s. I don't think your intention is to help your epilepsy because you're a 25 year old woman who is trying to lose weight. So when it comes to intermittent fasting, a lot of people come to me and they're like, oh, I'm trying out this intermittent fasting, see if it works, lose weight, whatever else. And then I ask them, what is your intention with intermittent fasting? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to do some hormonal, whatever, maybe? And it's always to lose weight. And if someone had another reason, whether it be um, a religious factor, cultural factor, whatever else, I want to honor that because I'm not here to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. Monica should. Um, But I'm here to more help them honor their cultural, religious, whatever else it may be, but also reach their health goals and kind of align all of those. So with that, most people want to lose weight. And I I go back to them and I say, well, let's look back. Let's look back at your weekend or whatever else. Are you going to go to brunch with your girlfriends? We're like, yeah, but I may skip out. I I know it's an experience I want to have, but I want to lose weight more. And I kind of want to shift that lifestyle. I I want to work with them to create a plan, a roadmap where they can still love their day-to-day life and enjoy their experiences with their friends and have these amazing memories without having to give up those you know, without having to give up all those fun events or whatever else. So for me, I personally don't recommend people doing it. If there are other reasons, reasons other than the intention of weight loss, maybe for me, for example, I take levothyroxine because I have hypothyroid. So I don't really intermittent fast. You do have to kind of be careful about that. So there are some reasons why I would recommend it. Um, also for women, it hasn't been very helpful in the hormonal aspect of things it's not best for hormones to be fasting however long it may be it is i think there are different times slots that people do so i personally would not recommend it for a woman and that's my primary um, client is mostly women
0: don't be shitty yeah, to uh, yourself
3: boom boom exactly
0: <laughs> yeah i like what you were talking about in terms of food and uh I talked with Frumpy Fit one day and she had like these five pillars of food that I really liked. I liked them so much. I wrote them down, but food needs to encompass these categories as, uh, as a person, when you're looking at food, you need to be able to enjoy it. That's one. Like if you are eating food that you don't enjoy, well, why are you eating it? Unless maybe you're a bodybuilder competing, uh, they do have to have a regimented diet. So maybe you're not enjoying it, but that's for, A bigger goal that you have in mind, but for the average person, you should be enjoying your food. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. The next part is energy. Does this food provide you energy? If it does, yeah, then I feel like you would want to eat it. Energy food food is the source of energy. We can't uh, photosynthesis yet, so until then, we do (laughs) need to eat food for energy. And then parents on that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. And then the next one is for health. Yeah, of course, like energy and health. You want you want your food to help you feel better and not just be like a one-time pleasurable experience, but like a long longevity type of thing. So you want it for health. The next one that you touched upon was culture. I think you're talking about culture. And yeah, a lot of different cultures, they have different uh, either views or topics on food and how to consume food, when you should consume it. So culture is a huge part. And the last part that you touched upon earlier was resources and the access to certain foods because food deserts do exist. And that's something I'm slowly realizing is that you could create this amazing meal plan. But if a person has to go 30 miles to their closest grocery store, then how much are you actually helping if you do want them to reach their goals? So, yeah, I think it was all agreeing on that. So we're going to move to the next topic and hopefully we start to see some disagreement and create some spicy content here.
2: So spicy.
0: You got anything for us, Monica?
2: Um, well, I don't know if we're going ag- to, I mean, disagree on this, but it's something that we talked about before um, about intuitive eating. Oh, Can that be, what is, what is, what do we say? What do we say? Can we talk what? about um, can somebody learn how to intuitively eat without learning how to count their macros and calories beforehand? Because I think um, from both Alan and my experience, um, which I intuitively eat now, I guess, but I have had experience counting my macros or calories in the past, um, which gave me a better understanding of how much I was eating. Um, I'm not sure if I'm, am I saying this right, Alan?
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It's like we are coming from the place where we can intuitively eat now, but the only reason why we know what the only reason why we have intuition is because we used to count and used to count macros, calories, whatever it may be, and like to be able to portion something in your head without actually having to measure it, we feel like that it's going to be hard to do that if you never learned what, I don't know, 100 grams of chickpeas actually looks like. I feel like I saw a TikTok where someone was like, this is what 100 calories of olive oil looks like. And they didn't provide like a trigger warning. And I understand that that can be very triggering to Some people who have had eating disorders, but he was trying to just say like, oh, like people just don't really know what a hundred calories of food looks like. So he goes through, does all these food and people were like, oh my gosh, that's a hundred calories of olive oil. Like, I think it goes back to that educational aspect where like, how will you know how much something is if you never actually learned what that thing is? And so we were hoping you could kind of touch upon if you know more about intuitive eating and if there's a way to become an intuitive eater without having to learn about macros like carbs, fats, and protein beforehand?
3: Mm -hmm. That is a great question. And it is such a hot topic right now in dietetics and fitness, all health and wellness industry. Um, And for me, in my practice, I do apply a lot of the intuitive eating principles. I don't want to say that I'm an intuitive eating dietitian because I know that dietitians who are intuitive eating dietitians would hear me speak about this. They're like, that's not our thing. But I do love a lot of the principles, like honoring your hunger and fullness levels and using your body and kind of like scanning through your body to measure how hungry and how full you are, because we've kind of lost track of that because maybe sometimes we are counting calories, whatever else. So I guess it really depends on who you're working with. If I have someone with a really bad eating disorder, I want to look at what she's eating right now and I want to see, okay, so she's currently under eating. Um, what can we do about that? And what's gonna work best for her? For some people, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but counting calories is extremely helpful because they see I am eating 40% of the calories that I could be eating today to maintain my weight. I need to eat more. And of course, you know, there's some nuances to that. But again, people see that and they're shocked. I sent to one of my clients recently the amount of, cups of pasta she could have a day to maintain her weight, she's never looked so surprised. So I, in my practice, I found it most beneficial with my clients and my ideal client to educate them on intuitive eating principles, mindful eating principles, and also the awareness about calories. Because again, as you said, a tablespoon of olive oil, it has like 120 calories and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's important to be aware of that because you still want to reach your goals. You want to feel healthy. You want to feel energized you probably don't want to gain weight too quickly. And I want to make sure that they're aware that there are some more calorie dense foods. So then they don't freak out when the scale goes up a lot because they've been eating a lot more and they just aren't aware of it. So I think the educational part of it is super important, but also having a lot of transparency and open conversation with your client. So it's such a great area. I can't give you a yes or no, but me personally in my practice, i found it more beneficial to educate on kind of the macros ish calories ish, um, rather than just leading with the intuitive eating.
0: Mm, Okay. That goes into our next question then would, would be about how do you talk about weight loss without talking about weight loss, like, or, or weight gain without talking about weight gain. Cause I feel like that's kind of the topic at hand for a lot of people is that, you know, they, they do want to lose weight, but they've heard so many different things about calories in calories out that they're just sick of it and it just isn't meshing with them well so if you had a client or past clients and they are about weight loss but don't really want to talk about weight loss in terms of like a a numbers approach how how do you approach that type of situation Mm -hmm.
3: so i'm gonna bring this back to um, a masterclass I was watching the other day by Daniel Pink, who's a salesman, and I promise I'll get to it eventually. But he's talking about problem solving versus problem finding. Problem solving is kind of the old way of entrepreneurs, business people, health experts, um, more in the entrepreneurial space worked, where they were saying, "We're solving your problem. We know what your problem is, and we can solve it." However, now that everyone has access to information; they can go online and calculate how many calories they're spending every day. And they're like, oh, I just need to eat under that to lose weight. So everyone has access to how to lose weight. However, that's obviously a lot more challenging than we think because we're not sure. People don't know how much of a deficit they should be in because they want to sustain that weight loss. Um, Their eating behaviors are probably a little funky because they just are ravenous if they're in extreme calorie deficit and it's just unsustainable. So I like to see it more in the lens of pro- problem finding. So Daniel Pink talked about this. And I think the key is when you're working with people to not necessarily put the focus on what their goal is, but the root of the issue as to why they can't get to their goal. So a great example is in my little Bubbles and Balanced Food Journal, which Monica has. Um, I have BLT in there. And it's not a bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich. It's um, yeah. bites, licks, and tastes. And throughout the day, I am guilty. <laughs> I am guilty AF of this. But um, let's say I'm walking to the kitchen, and there are m ms on the island. Nothing wrong with that. It's a fun food. Nothing wrong with enjoying a little bit of that. But if I'm just snacking on it while like standing up and not really enjoying it and savoring it, there is absolutely no purpose to it. So that would be classified as BLT. Or another example would be my mom's having dinner next to me, and she's got this great pasta, and I just like grab it without even thinking about it, don't savor it. That's another BLT. So what I recommend people doing is writing down the BLTs. Problem finding. So I found the problem, the reason why they're not, they're not losing weight is because they're not tracking these BLTs. They have no awareness as to when they're mindlessly grazing and snacking on things. So I think the key is to focus on the behavioral things and um, help them uncover that and establish awareness around it. And again, this isn't to say that demonizing pasta or whatever is the way to go it's just being aware of it and if you're aware of it you can own that decision and feel confident doing
0: that and you won't feel guilty about it damn it we agree again uh, <laughs> i agreed like i agree with a lot of the stuff you said and that's kind of what i tell my clients as well another thing that i kind of want to add to that is yeah the the awareness and the mindfulness of eating mm-hmm. something i realized with a lot of people is that they will put the next bite of food in Before they're even done chewing their first bite, I'm like, "What are you? What are you rushing for? Like, if you if you went slower, you would have even more pleasure, right? You instead of eating it all in 20 minutes, maybe you can get more bites out of it, and maybe it becomes a a better experience for you instead of trying to shovel it all down at once." So,
2: fork down, baby. Put the
0: fork down. Put the fork down (laughs) in between bites. Uh, but, yep, we agree again. I think there's got to be one topic here where we can create some <laughs> I tension. I know what it is.
2: I know what it is. What is it?
0: Yeah. What is it?
2: Um, good and bad foods. Labeling foods is oh. good and lab- labeling foods okay. is bad. So, I know. Yeah, Haley hasn't obviously. said
0: anything bad about bad food yet. So.
3: Dude, oh, my gosh. I cannot. So, um I literally had this exact conversation with the client two days ago. But I always send my client and a long nutrition assessment questionnaire where I ask about their lifestyle, diets, favorite foods, whatever else. And she said in there, one of her favorite foods is pizza, but that's bad. So she's not going to have a program. Our first call, the first thing we talked about was labeling food. So I told her, we're not allowed to call food bad food. We're gonna, we can either call it fun food or a mindful indulgence. And I asked her to pick which one she wanted. She liked fun food more, so we're calling it fun food. The issue with calling things bad food, like calling something good or bad, is you're attaching morality to that. So what's, Alan,
2: what's your favorite food? What's your favorite fun food?
0: Favorite fun food? Ketchup.
2: Yeah. Oh, Only okay. oh, ketchup. He eats it like yogurt. Oh, God.
0: I love ketchup.
3: Okay, so, so let's say you, you call ketchup bad. So if you eat ketchup. You're like, oh, that was so bad for me. I'm a bad person because I engage in that bad behavior. Therefore I'm more likely to engage more in that because I already labeled myself as a bad person. Might as well keep doing it. And the more you do that, then you go down a guilt and shame spiral versus just being like, Oh, that was a fun food. And with fun foods, I always tell my clients too. It's, it's purposeful. It's not just something that's bad for your body. It's not whatever it's purposeful because it's nourishing your soul. I like to say, food either nourishes your soul or it nourishes yourself and if it nourishes your soul then it was worth it um but because you're not labeling it you're not as likely to engage in more of that fun food because you're satisfied and savoring it and you're not going down a guilt and shame spiral
0: okay i agree with that and then i'm just gonna bring this point up and see if we can come to a middle ground here so like pro like uber processed foods like doritos cheetos foods like that where they have been they have been researched and created so that people cannot eat less than one like if you i've never seen anyone been been able to eat like one potato chip because the these foods have been engineered to uh hack your your dopamine levels. And it's like, oh man, I want, I want more. It's like a drug. So how do we go about, because we know that you shouldn't be living on just bags of potato chips every day. If you are in, if you are wanting like good longevity and good health for your entire life, we know that, you know, there are some foods that you can't just be guzzling down each and every day there will be some sort of consequence or side effect. So how do we go about letting people know that there are some foods you would like to avoid? And if you can't, then yeah, you can indulge in it a little bit, but, you know, have that mindful awareness that there are some foods that are quote unquote, not the best for you.
3: Love that question. So um, I bring this back to physical and psychological satisfaction. So physical satisfaction, I literally just think of like my stomach and how full it is. If I go to dinner and there and I'm super hungry, I'm ravenous, and if there's bread and olive oil on the table, I will eat all of it because there is nothing in my stomach. However, if I am somewhat hungry, I'm comfortably hungry, I maybe had a snack before I love fiber and protein together power combo um, if I had a little snack before and then maybe I'll have like a little bit and it's not necessarily for that physiological hunger but it's more the psychological physiological satisfaction it's for the psychological satisfaction so if I truly want that that piece of bread then I can definitely enjoy it but I have to know which one is satisfying maybe a little bit of both but you kind of have to be very aware of that and uh, Another example, too, is like, I always like to say, have your first bite be a vegetable or um, something a little bit lighter, or maybe like a broth-based soup. And that way, you know that you're physically going to be satisfied. But then whatever else you have, it's going to be psychologically. And since you're already physically satisfied, you're just going to have a couple bites, which is kind of a BLT. But again, if you're, if you're owning that decision and honoring that, then um, it, it should still align with your goals and you should not get out of control.
0: Mm. Gotcha, gotcha and that kind of goes along with like the water thing i feel like a lot of people do where it's like oh they just drink more water throughout the day and so they kind of have that physical feeling of being full and then later on when they're eating they they finish with the psychological feeling of being full but because there's less space in their stomach then they've kind of tricked themselves in a good way i feel like
3: yeah and sometimes people do do mistake hunger for thirst 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 for hunger thirst Thirst for
0: hunger hunger. and and boredom for hunger a lot of people eat when they're bored do you see that a lot where people are just like they just need some sort of oral fixation when they're watching netflix or on their computer and they just kind of they're so bored that they just need to be munching on something do you see that a lot too
3: Absolutely. And I think that's when like journaling and writing things down can be super helpful because if you're going to write it down then you're like, shit, I got to stick to that decision. Like I know I'm going to have to write it down. I'm going to have to honor that. So um that really forces you to think about it. And again, it's not to make you feel guilty. It's not to like shame you or anything, just to make you aware about what your food choices
0: are. Hmm. Awesome. And then this is kind of a tangent, but you'd mentioned that the fiber and protein, that duo was your favorite. Can you talk more about like, uh, the food combination aspect? And I think there was research that was either recent or maybe not, maybe I just heard it, but they were linking like insulin resistance and diabetes, not to only certain eating habits, but the eating habits of doing fats and overdoing carbs at the same time, where it's very high in saturated and unsaturated fat. And then you've got that carb also, I think back to like Doritos, Cheetos, things like that, where it's high fat content, high, high sugar and carb content. So I don't know if you have any information on that, but I thought I found that really interesting
3: yeah I mean, fiber and protein, it's my favorite combination. Um, for snacks, I would say to pair of produce and a protein together. A produce offers you yeah, that fiber, vitamins and minerals, vitamins and minerals are great for um, your body actually utilizing the energy. You don't get energy from either of those two, but they help your body generate energy. Um minerals are great for again like bones and things like that. Um, it's also very hydrating, and then the protein keeps you super full, helps you build and maintain muscle mass. It's just such a power combination. So finding which two of those work together is the best thing um and when it comes to certain things like diabetes cardiovascular disease all that kind of stuff a lot of it there of course is the genetics factor to that but um, when i'm working with people i always want to, them to shift their focus to what they can control you can't change your genetics but you can control your food choices and your lifestyle choices you want to enjoy it so we're going to work together to make sure that you are creating a plan and a roadmap to get there if it's going to make you enjoy the entire process and sustain it down the road temporary solutions temporary results Permanent solutions, permanent results. So um, with a lot of that, the eating patterns are the most important thing. So if you're going to have like a few Doritos on the weekend, that's fine. But if you're having bowls and bowls of Doritos every day, that's not good. Another great example of this is, well, this is vitamin A, but there is such thing as vitamin toxicity. When you hit a certain threshold, it's not good for your body and it's not serving you. We're often told, you know, more, better, whatever else. Even when, when it comes to vitamins, but that's not the case. Same thing with other kinds of foods. When you hit that certain threshold and you keep doing it over and over again, it's not serving you at all. So it is important for people to be aware of their eating patterns and kind of see like, am I having a very high fat diet? And am I eating a lot of simple carbs that just are not serving me? And they're truly not satisfying me. I'm eating well beyond my comfort levels and things like that.
0: Whoa. yeah. The link between, yeah we learn about vitamin toxicity a lot with all like the fat soluble vitamins. So yeah, I like how you brought that back to food and it's like, if you start to go past your threshold, the return on your investment is diminished each, each level and might start to become bad for you and start to become negative in that sense. So I really like that. uh, that connection between the two. I guess that transitions right next into my next question, man. I just have so many questions. I'm sorry, Monica. I have so many questions today. Have
2: at it. Have at it. I talk to her like every day. So
0: (laughs) this is fun. I can see why you talk to her every day. Uh, I'm learning more, more and more stuff. It's amazing. So my next question would be, what's your stance on the like brown versus white rice, rice debate or brown versus white bread or, you know, whole grain and versus multigrain or whole wheat, that t- t- type of thing.
3: Mm-hmm. So when it comes to those, um, I guess that kind of goes back to your satisfaction. And also sometimes I think we need to almost relearn a new satisfaction Um, If there's a cultural thing to that, again, I always want to honor people's culture, and I'm not going to try to make them make these certain changes at family dinner. Um, So again, focus on the portion size. But um, when it comes to like white rice versus brown rice, um, white bread versus like a whole grain, there are a lot of benefits when it comes to having more of those, I guess, brown color carbs. Um, They offer you more B B vitamins, which is great for energy and a lot more fiber, which is good for keeping you full. Preventing cardiovascular disease, preventing obesity, feeding your microbiome—like the list just goes on and on and on. So when people can make those decisions, I always recommend doing that. And the current recommendation, I believe, is have at least half of your grains whole grain. Um, And of course, I always recommend keeping it 100% because there are just so many benefits of that. And if you get in the habit of always making those choices of having the more fiber—I call it (laughs) fiberlicious—the fiberlicious option then you get in the habit of that. And that's just kind of your first reaction. You always go for that one versus the white bread, which doesn't offer you again, those fi- fiber and B vitamins and all those benefits.
0: Yeah. To me, it just felt like white bread was uh like candy bread because it has like these added sugars. And and when I made the switch from just going from white bread to brown bread, and I think this was because of a class and they were like uh white, White bread or white rice tends to have a higher glycemic index, so it spikes your insulin a little bit more than uh, the brown variant would. And I would realize, like, I would eat Panda Express almost every day. This was back when I was uh, in college, undergrad, eating Panda Express every day, and I'd be so tired after my meals, and it would be, like, white rice and, like sweet and sour chicken and orange chicken, just a lot of these sugary, sugary meals. And I was like, I just want to sleep after I eat. But then I made the switch from like white bread and white rice to brown. And I didn't feel as tired. I actually had energy after I ate, which is what I was hoping I would have after I ate every meal. I didn't want to go into a a coma every time I had some Panda Express. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the benefit that I saw as well
3: definitely. And um, the key with that is, again, like the simple sugars. And this isn't, again, to demonize things, but just the physiological process of it. um, When you do have something that is a lot more simple in sugars, it gives you that spike in blood sugar. And then quickly, your body is going to rush all this insulin so your cells can uptake that for energy, which we need that energy. We need that glucose. There's nothing wrong with that. However, because it is such a quick rise, there's then there's a quick fall back down. And then you can even dip below and then have hypoglycemia, which is when you're just going to feel sluggish and not have any energy. So the key is to try to keep it more level and kind of keep it more of a slow process of going out and getting, receiving that energy of glucose in your blood. So, um, I mean, I think that is a great story. What you kind of just said is, um, you do have a lot more energy and you can feel that more throughout the day.
0: Yeah, completely anecdotal, but yeah, that's what I found and I was like, oh man, there yeah, there must be something more to this than uh meets the eye. Um next question here is are you vegan?
3: <laughs> I'm not vegan now. Okay.
0: All right, never mind. I'll keep <laughs> that for
3: If people if people want to be vegan, you can totally do it in a safe and healthy way. Um, but again, it comes back to intention if you're trying to be a vegan to lose weight it's not the strongest, it's not the best way to lose weight. Um, But if you're doing it for like moral reasons and ethical reasons, whatever else may be, um, there's absolutely a safe way you can go about that. You just have to be smart, strategic, and work with the right person who has the right credentials and the right education.
0: Right. Yeah. That, Oh, actually, yeah, we do. I do have a talking point on that. And I was discussing with someone about, you know, veganism and how it's kind of the way it started was um, kind of uh, iffy because we were talking about how we had known so many people who had went vegan under the guise or under the veil of being healthy when in fact that they were using veganism just so they could limit all their food choices. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, today I ate a salad. Tomorrow I'm going to eat a salad. The next day after that, I'm just going to eat a salad. And we, we looked at it like, oh, man, most people go vegan either for you know their own health reasons or for ethical reasons. But then there are some people who used it and didn't do it for the right reason. So I'm glad you talked about that intentional part where, yeah, people need to have the right intentions and no no sort of diet or nutrition plan is going to be a magic or silver bullet that fixes all ailments and all problems. Like it has to have a purpose behind it before you start to get into it, because if there's no purpose, then you're aimlessly wandering around and trying to use a diet or a nutrition plan without having the right tools necessary.
3: Absolutely. And like another thing too is combining proteins and creating a complete protein and the importance of that. Some people just don't even know to look out for that. And I think half of the battle is knowing the right questions to ask. Um, And to know the right questions to ask, you need to have the educational background um, just to even know that that's in existence. So again, that's kind of the thing when it comes to problem finding, you have to find these problems can find them before it becomes an issue when you're losing muscle mass and all your hard work in the gym is going away, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh man. (laughs) Okay. I think do we have an I think the next question I add on here was what what does a full day of eating look like for you, Haley? What does what does a full day of eating look like? And if you want some to our listeners, if you want to write these down to get some inspiration and then to also follow her later, she'll have more recipes, right? On your Instagram and on TikTok, right? So you guys can write these down and then go to her page and grab some of these recipes. But what does a full day of eating look like?
3: A full day of eating. So I am the queen of breakfast. I Love overnight oats right now. It's just so practical, so delicious. So oh, I just satisfying.
0: made some the other day. Yeah, I love yes. overnight oats. We gotta
3: share recipes. We'll share <laughs> Mine recipes.
0: are super basic. I'm super lazy. I uh-huh. I am the like. I, I I'm the opposite of Gordon Ramsay. If like he takes, he takes 10 to 15 minutes to make eggs in the morning because he has uh, to do it the right way, the proper way. I throw the eggs in usually before the pan is hot enough or the pan is too hot and I throw them in. So I just want, I just want to get it done. My food doesn't look good all the time, but it tastes great.
3: Yeah, that's all that matters at the end of the day as long as you enjoy it, you know? Right. (laughs) It's satisfying. Yeah, I love it. So I am all about the overnight oats and I like to make them ahead of time because again, they're so good and they're satisfying to me. Um, So I always do like oatmeal, Greek yogurt, cinnamon. Sometimes I add a little bit of stevia in there. Stevia is another controversial one, but it's fine um, from my my research. Um, Stevia and then I like to top it off. I don't currently have an air fryer, but I love to air fry fruit.
0: I we literally just posted... Uh, oh, wait. Air fry fruit? Yes. Fruit. Fruit. Like, what kind apple. of fruit? Apple, oh, my... god!
3: banana, Yum. Yum. Oh, my gosh. You need to try it.
0: Okay, I need to try it. I'm a little skeptical like, right now, but...
3: Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It just brings out all the flavor. It's just so delicious. So, you got to... So, my current go-to is to chop up apple, put some cinnamon cinnamon on top, and then I air fry it, and then I top it with the... Um, with some peanut butter and overnight oats. And then I always love a lot of coffee so much. Coffee's my jam. I have to have like one to two cups every day. Um, and then I love to have, I, I keep it really simple, just like a high fiber whole grain wrap with like chicken. I have a, um, what is it? Bolt House ranch dressing. It's like a yogurt based ranch dressing. Um, I had lettuce And sometimes, like Frank's hot sauce on there. I think you are to catch a design to Frank's Red Hot.
0: (laughs) I love ketchup. Now you don't understand. I love both. (laughs) You don't understand. understand. I
2: I put both on. on. Both? Both
0: Both on my eggs. Wow. Yeah, I used to do that. Yeah. 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 Haley, you eat a lot of fiber. You get a lot of fiber in. I love. I
2: love
3: my fiber. It's just so good for you, and especially when you're traveling, you gotta stay regular. You know.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. I bet your bowel movements are perfect. I'm reading a book uh, called I'm reading a book called uh, Gut, the story, the inside story of you or the story inside of you by (laughs) Julia by Julia Enders. I think she's she's yeah, she's somewhere in Europe. She also does like a lot of microbial and microbiome gut health studies and research. She's a MD in Germany, maybe. I believe, uh, yeah, one of the European countries. So I'm reading that book right now and just went over the bowel movements and how toilets are ruining our insides because they don't allow our sphincters to open up completely when we are, you know, doing our business. So
3: I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that in all my years of studying the GI tract.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, That's why squatty potties exist because
2: yeah, in Japan and China, like Japan, and China like the yeah. toilets are on the ground or on like the, the yeah. It's always the best when I when I used to travel in Asia and then going to those airports.
0: It's hard to get used to at first, but yeah, it's it's best. that
2: Asian squat though. The Asian
0: squat, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
3: my squat's gonna be it's gonna be a poor game. I gotta to get ready. <laughs> the world opens up, um, and then after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Back to the food after we talking about poop. Back sugar. to the food.
2: I love to the poop food. talk.
3: It's so funny though. I'm just so used to it. Like in my rotations, I talk about it all the time, whatever. Um, but, anyways, my next thing would be a snack. I love produce and a protein. Um, currently, having a moment. I'm having a huge moment with apple right now, apples and Greek yogurt. Like I use the Greek yogurt or the apples as a little dip. I also love to make a tzatziki dip and then I use it. I dip with like cucumbers or bell peppers. Or mm. tahini, everything but the bagel seasoning and red bell pepper, power combo. You guys have got to try it. Um, and then after that, these down. oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, after that for dinner, I love to have like a fish, especially since I'm in Florida right now. Some like fish and like grilled the roasted vegetables. Keep it pretty, pretty simple. And then a nice glass of Sauvignon Blanc. Oh.
0: <laughs> and that's a whole day. How do you feel about microplastics in our seafood?
3: Microplastics in our seafood. I'll be honest. I'll have to look a little bit more into that because seafood is a whole.
0: That's all. Thing. Yeah. That's I don't a even whole know what other the
3: micro, thing. Yeah, but there's also like other contaminants and stuff. But it is. I mean, seafood is so good for your heart health. The recommendation is to have two, three and a half servings a week. So that's about like the size of your palm ish um, for heart health. So again, we hate the word moderation because it's really not, it doesn't have that great of a definition, but moderation is key when it comes
0: to any of those kinds of things. Yeah. Everyone's definition of moderation is different. I think that's why it's tough sometimes to tell people to just moderate. I noticed you use the word snack. Um, So here's my take on the word snack. I've probably used it before, but i I'm trying to limit the word snack. I think snack is a marketing ploy designed after the industrial revolution to get people wow. to eat these processed foods. And so, you never look at you never look at a whole meal as a snack. The things that you look at as snacks, I mean, you're you're a dietitian, you're an RD, you have a better sense, but for the regular person if you ask them, oh, what kind of snacks do you eat? You know, they're not, they're not saying like fruits and veggies. They're saying, oh, like, <laughs> yeah, they're talking about Oreos and things like that, like crackers, graham crackers. Um, so my idea of snacks is that we should replace it and we should think about just meals. Like you're either having a complete meal or an incomplete meal. Like did the meal you eat, was it a complete meal that did, did it have, you know, all the different ingredients that have a carb, a a protein, a fat in it, or did it, was it incomplete? If it was incomplete, then it's an incomplete meal. Cause I just feel like the word snack is just a huge marketing ploy. And I'm sure there's a conspiracy that we can look into and make sense of this all, but that's just my take.
3: I've never heard of that before. So you call snacks an incomplete meal.
0: Yeah. It's just an incomplete meal. Yeah. Everything's a meal. Everything's a meal.
2: I have heard that too.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, it's probably from Mind Pump. We're just stealing all of... We just, <laughs> that's me and Mo- Monica and I's favorite podcast. And I think at this point, we're just stealing all of their content and producing <laughs> it. So, but yeah, incomplete meal, first snack.
3: Incomplete meal. I love it.
0: <laughs> the next one on the list, and I think we're coming down to the end of the list here. So we'll probably start to react to some TikTok videos after this. I think you sent Monica a few. We'll have fun with those. But the last question that I have is, what do you think the next diet trend is? And just so you know that Monica and I have been one for one on our fitness trends our the fitness trend that we thought would take over 2021 is to literally burn off the fat from your skin. Uh, So we called that back in at the end of 2020. And then we have seen a lot of videos of people literally lighting themselves on fire, like with a towel under or covering them, and they light themselves on fire and they burn the fat away. So we we called it one for one. We We knew people would start to burn their skin, burn their fat, burn it down all the way to the bone. So you're on the hot seat. You need to make this stick. It needs to stick for either the next year or the next few years. But what do you think? the next diet trend is and just for reference i think in terms of diet that we've we we swing the pe- pendulum very far to the left then very far to the right i mean Back in the 70s, they demonized fat and they said fat is bad for you. And then in the 90s with the Atkins diet, they demonized carbs. They're like, carbs are bad for you. Carbs make you fat. Before that, it was fat makes you fat. And now in the 2010s, the 2020s, I think it hasn't been as much demonizing, but we have started to overeat protein. And it's not the people who we want to overeat protein, it's people in the fitness space who are overeating protein. I think the average American still isn't getting as much protein as they would need, especially with all of these people starting to get into fitness, health and wellness and trying to build up their bodies and reach their goals. I feel like that population still isn't getting enough protein, but the population that is really overdoing it with protein is the people who are into fitness because now everything is about protein. So what do you think is the next diet trend?
2: No pressure. No pressure. Well, I mean,
3: honestly, everything you're kind of saying about protein was exactly what I was going to say. So I think you're just reading my mind. I think people love simple. They love to be told what to do. Um, And the reasons why diets work, they do work like keto diet works, whatever else works is because it omits so many foods. So naturally you have very few choices. Therefore, you're probably going to be in a calorie deficit because you just have no options to eat. Um, So I think people want simple. They want to be told what to do, whatever else. So I see, I have to make it very specific, so I have to make it a very specific thing. I see, I honestly see like all protein, protein's your only macro, that kind of vibe. Like, I think there are some like carnivore diets and stuff like that. Like you just eat meat or whatever. That's kind of what I see going forward because I think people just want to be told what to do, whatever else. And people cannot give up protein. They can give up carbs.
0: Wow. That was a, uh, wow, that's big. That's uh <laughs> yeah. that's a big take. You think it would just be only protein. You think it's really just going to keep.
3: Yeah. I think it's just going to be like protein. Like people just want to eat protein. People love protein. It's filling. It's, it's the easy macro to lose weight. It's the easiest macro to lose weight on because everyone enjoys it. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it hasn't really been demonized.
0: Yeah. Not demonized yet. Not as much yes. as like carbs and fat. It'll probably get
3: more carbs and fat. God bless them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen a little bit of demonization where people are like, "Oh, you shouldn't eat any protein at all because you're gonna overwhelm your your kidneys and your kidneys can't filter." But then it's like, "Wow, no protein at all? Okay."
3: Mm -hmm. That's yeah, unless uh, you're like on dialysis or something, right?
0: I feel like most people have very healthy kidneys. We have two kidneys, so. As long as you've got at least one kidney, I feel like you can uh, process and filter enough protein and, you know, excrete the urea and the byproducts pretty well. As long as you've got at least one kidney, if you've sold one, then yeah, maybe it'll be a difficult time. Uh, But yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that
3: goes back to, to, you know, like if you have liver and kidneys, you're good.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Awesome. Oh, man. Detoxing. Yeah. I don't. I think we would agree on everything we talked about detoxing. So we won't get into that. Maybe a TikTok will get into it. But now is time for the fun part. Well, the whole thing has been fun. But now we get into the even more fun part to wrap things up today. We've got some TikToks to react to. I think Monica is going to pull them up and it's going to be a blind reaction from most of us here. So let's see what we got.
2: Yeah, these are usually, I ask my brother to search <laughs> for TikToks
0: oh, you're, so that you're
2: it's also is? blind for me. Yep.
0: Mm.
2: Okay, here we go. Let me know if you can see
0: this. Make it-
2: Oops, can you hear it?
0: Oh, wait, actually, hold on. I was listening to our old podcast or ours from last week and the, the sound is really loud. I don't from know the how TikTok to change video. it. Can you just turn down your volume? So like it will be this? Or uh, yeah, or like on your mic. Just turn it down a little bit.
2: Did you hear that? Yeah. So is this good?
0: Keep going. Keep going. Keep going.
2: What? Are you,
0: are you even going? Or is it me?
2: Uh, I, I, It's almost all the way down.
0: Okay, you can, I I think maybe halfway would be good. Like here? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cool.
2: All
0: right. So this TikTok was saying, if you're only eating 1200 calories a day, you are eating enough for a toddler.
3: I had a TikTok about this and I went in my handy dandy Google sheets where I calculate my client's macros. I just kind of like added the formula to that. People got pissed. They got so mad at me. They're like, how oh, dare you tell me to not eat 1200 calories. Other people were like, here's my height, weight, age, yada, yada. Can you calculate it for me? And I'm like, I can't just study your question. That's like, not okay. I have to assess you first. <laughs> like why? Oh God.
0: Yeah. So do you think 1,200 is enough for a person?
3: No, no.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think, no. what, I think what people miss out on is like, all right, if you really even tried to make 1,200 calories work for you, you're missing out. That's only the macros. You're missing out on all of the micronutrients and how often mm-hmm. are are people going to be able to get all their micronutrients, all the things that they didn't know existed, all the minerals, all the vitamins, all the different vitamins that they need if they're only eating 1200 calories, like, I feel like you could get the micronutrients. But you know, if you're asking this question, you're not the person who should be doing it.
2: That's such a good point. That's such a good point. Yeah, people don't
0: even know that like, plant proteins typically need to combine like a rice and a pea protein to get all your amino acids, amino acids don't have energy necessarily, like then. Yeah, you've you found the wrong solution here. Because there's more problems that you're creating for yourself
3: mm-hmm. and another thing to, to backflip piggyback <laughs>
0: <laughs> no when you say it you need to do it so that you don't laugh so that we just create create it and make it a thing so just like to reverse cowgirl off that and you just keep talking that way people are just like wait what did they, that? What yeah, did they, they say yeah they got a backtrack and they're like, uh, is that a thing now? Yeah, I guess it's It's a thing now. I'll start to say it too. And
2: Yeah, we should do that. Oh yeah. my God. Just, that's you so just got to
0: slide it in there and just be like, to backflip off that.
2: <laughs> All right. So, uh, to.
3: <laughs>
0: she needs, <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll, we'll work uh, on yeah.
3: it. Yeah. Okay, to reverse cowgirl. <laughs> are
0: you, are you in public right now also? I am. <laughs> that's amazing.
3: God bless me. Um, but no, anyways, so reverse dieting. Reverse cowgirl. You <laughs> were gonna um, say. Reverse dieting. So essentially when you are in a calorie deficit and then you kind of try to go back up to see how, what calorie range you need to be at to, to maintain your weight. Um a lot of people again, this is where it gets very nuanced that you kind of have to work with a expert to do this safely and slowly, whatever else. Um, but when you do go back and you start to add more calories to your diet, you could be at twelve hundred calories and maybe. 1300 1400 you can still maintain your weight so those extra calories like the goal is to eat as much as you possibly can without gaining weight if that's your goal if you don't want to gain weight so um to kind of find where the sweet spot is but if you're depriving yourself more than you need to be that's like no like we want to eat
2: (laughs) oops i wish that it showed your like the video panel you know when I share screen. Okay.
0: I think you can change it in the view settings. Oh. Side-by-side gallery.
4: Real shit, real shit never tell a lie. Okay,
2: this video is two truths and a lie. So I'll read them off. For one, any diet can quote unquote work if you're in a calorie deficit. Two your blood type can determine what foods are best for you. Three, there's no scientific evidence that whole 30 provides long term health benefits. Haley, where's the lie? Wait,
0: the last one is a lie. Blood type.
2: Haley? Metal.
0: So blood type. Real shit, never tell
2: a lie. Life's go- <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. That's the video. We'll
0: wait. wait. That was it.
2: What do you mean? We're done there's more videos. Oh,
0: there's more videos. Wait, I'm okay. Wait, why, why video. can't, is it blood type can't help us determine what diet works best yet? Is it a, is it a question of yet and tools and research? Can it help us in the future?
3: I'll be honest. I haven't completely read up on this that much, but I know there are certain blood, like there's certain tests you can take that are marketed to say like, oh, we'll find which foods are, some insert blood right words. yeah
0: i know i know those don't work because there's i think i think the way i see it is the blood type research is kind of linked to the microbi microbiome research and gut health um because like in the blood you can find you know 20 different hormones that are produced by the gut and if you've got certain hormonal levels in your blood mm-hmm. oh but i guess the it's blood type diet not blood diet <laughs> oh, okay. So, Yeah. So it if it's a
3: for
0: breakfast, <laughs> Oh man, what I eat for breakfast this morning, a cold brew, blood cold diet. brew with sweet cream. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, if it's blood type, yeah, that's not going to work ever. I don't think, but if it was just a blood diet, just like taking a sample of your blood, that's just like doing blood work and seeing what hormones you might be deficient in, what hormones you might be good in. So, maybe blood diet is the thing, you know?
2: Eat blood, kids.
0: Eat blood. Eat Wait, blood. But placenta.
2: That is a thing. That is the right? thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Courtney Kardashian, I think she got it in like pill form. Where she yeah. Ate her placenta through pills. Sprinkle
2: yeah. it on your salad.
0: Like nutritional yeast.
3: Or instead of um, air frying apples and putting it in my overnight oats, I could just
2: sop it out with the. A- <laughs> Little oh,
0: I thought you were gonna fry the placenta. New trend. New <laughs> trend oh, Yeah, wait. Alert. Me
2: too. I thought you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, fried
0: placenta. That must be a thing already. Fried placenta. Yeah. Like not from humans, but like from other animals.
3: Maybe like you spray a little bit of olive oil on top, a little bit of like garlic. Yeah. Powder or something. Do whatever like the Ketchup. the one
0: keto recipe Ketchup. girl does. It's just Pranks. like it's just like the cheese on the plate. You know how that she just takes the cheese. We saw the video last week the cheese cracker is literally just cheese and olive oil she just fried it on a pan oh yeah yeah yeah. just do that with the placenta for keto for keto keto, yeah i wonder if Uh,
3: placenta eating is keto friendly what do you
0: guys think It it wouldn't be vegan friendly i don't know the macros behind placenta
3: also if it's so if it's not vegan friendly but it's your own is it cannibalism?
0: Yeah, that's cannibalism. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, by Kylie. Oh, okay. Wait, before we start, what's yes. an what's a what's an LDN? Because I see that she's MSRD LDN.
3: London. Oh, no. licensed dietitian. God. what was it? This is licensed dietitian nutritionist, I believe. So, like, uh. I I um took my so I did my like years undergrad did my training and then i studied for the RD exam passed the rd exam that's where i got haley gorski come rd and then to become a license get my license in my state i had to pay i don't know like a couple hundred bucks to get my license and that's it so it's not really anything special
0: wait i have a friend that i think would uh when did you graduate from uw madison
3: 2019
0: oh okay i have a friend that you you'd probably like she lives in chicago and she does a lot of recipe videos. I feel like you guys would just get oh, along because you, you guys bigger? like food. Um, I don't think she's a dietitian. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't know if she talks to one either. If that which, what you were you asking? I can't hear. <laughs> um, but I think you guys would be friends because she posts a lot about food and all her recipes, and she yeah. likes to go out and eat in Chicago, find new places. So you
2: gotta send me her handle.
0: Yeah, I will. I will.
2: Um, okay. Are we ready?
0: Yep. We got a video by nutrition by Kylie. Kylie and I follow her also.
2: Okay. She says me, a dietitian, You don't have to eliminate all carbs to lose weight and eat a healthy diet. 1,000 One. views.
0: An influencer with no formal training. Carbs are bad. Avoid all carbs. Buy my keto product that will help you lose weight. 500,000 views.
2: Me, a dietitian, carbohydrates are the body's most efficient source of energy. All foods can fit in a healthy diet. 5,000 views. Me, a dietitian. dietitian. (laughs) Yeah. Me, a dietitian, spends hours planning and creating evidence-based nutrition content that people will, parentheses, hopefully want to listen to.
0: We can just talk over it. Keep playing it.
2: Oh, sorry, me a dietitian. Here are ten evidence-based tips to help you lose weight in a healthy way. Eight thousand views.
0: Don't pause it. Don't pause it. An influencer with no formal training. You need to try the. You talk to that helps you lose thirty pounds in one week. One million views. I
2: cannot not pause it. Me a dietitian. Dietary supplements are not effective for weight loss. Don't waste your time and money. Ten thousand views.
0: An influencer with no formal chain, these supplements will burn fat, make you stretch marks, disappear, see the link in my bio for 10% off, 5 million views.
2: You want to take this, Haley? Me, a dietitian,
3: researches TikTok trends, trend sounds, and trending hashtags to use in videos so I can spread free evidence-based nutrition information to more people who may be struggling with their health and nutrition.
0: Nice. Me, a Dietitian posts videos on healthy snack ideas, nutrition myths, favorite nutrition tips, grocery store favorites, favorite food for reviews, food comparisons, and much, much more. This is a long TikTok. I know.
2: Follow,
0: Follow for, for evidence-based, evidence-based nutrition, nutrition tips. That's the most important
3: thing. Did she go above, like, any of her numbers?
2: What numbers? She's
3: 1.6 million. Oh, 1.6. Oh, yeah. Pop off, queen. Let's go. Yeah.
0: I think, she, yeah, she's got a lot of followers now. I followed her from one of those videos.
2: I just thought of, I, I thought of just reading that.
3: Thought
2: of, well, Alan and I talk about this too. Whenever we make fit talks or like fitness videos that are educational or like informational, they don't typically do as well versus, you know, if, I mean, Alan's posted recipes and like what, what you eat in a day or something and they do better or what is it like what works for you when you works as in what's your most engaging content
0: oh it's well it's always anything controversial so if it's like bordering on the line between like I guess what people think is correct and what people think is incorrect whenever it borders the line and you get people talking about it that's when you get the most views and comments but if it's something where it's like proven stuff and educational format, then it's a little less on the views because it's everyone's like, oh, yeah, I agree. That's cool. But if it's something that, you know, riles the masses, they're like, no, you're wrong. Like cardio does this and like you're wrong about metabolism. And and then I'm like, well, yeah, there's a lot of nuance to it. Obviously, if I went into a whole video about metabolism, no one would watch it. The only reason you're watching it is because you think I'm wrong and I think I'm right. So, yeah, that's what mine
2: is is whenever I. I mean sometimes whenever I have more Ooh, skin baby. Sh- Ooh, baby, whenever I have more skin showing is sometimes Ooh. what does better. Yeah, which what am I Like
3: <laughs> It's just cuz you're hot, you know. are like
0: Ooh. It's a visual it's a distraction. Healthy.
3: Yeah. Uh, but no, it's that's the weird thing about like Nutri- like social media and fitness and evidence-based shit. Like people want the quick, sexy fix. They want to be told what to do, how much to do it, how long it's going to take to get the results. And the unsexy solution is the evidence-based solution 99% of the time. If I tell people like my eating strategies, it's not like, ooh, Haley told me about the pork down strategy. Like, oh my God, I'm sure I tell my friends. Like nobody's going to share that, but it's practical advice that will help you reach your goals.
2: Make sustainability sexy again.
3: Sustainability and mindful eating sexy, please.
0: We're trying our best. We're trying our best. (laughs) More skin. (laughs) More skin. skin.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, shoot, sorry. The little thing at the top is in the way.
1: See an effective recipe that will help you lose weight, not gain the Corona 15, and also help boost your immune system. I've been doing it for six weeks and I've lost 21 pounds so far. Once it's boiling, you're going to want to grab the cinnamon. I use cinnamon sticks and blend them, but you can also just use ground cinnamon. They both work just as well. And you're going to put half a teaspoon per cup. I'm doing obviously a bigger batch, but I'll show you guys the servings in a second. Then you're going to grab half a lemon and just squeeze it. You can also use lime. They both work just as well. I also get told a lot that your cinnamon doesn't dissolve all the way. It happens to me too. Just try to boil it and mix as much as you can. But honestly, there's always going to be a little bit at the bottom. So now I have the bigger batch and the serving size that I made. I put the bigger batch in the fridge. Um, A lot of people ask me if they have to drink it hot or cold. It doesn't matter. I drink it cold. This is the serving size. So it's one cup of water for every half lemon and half teaspoon of cinnamon. I'm an anxious and bored eater. And the tea has helped me a lot with that. So I think it'll help a lot of people who are also in quarantine. Hope this helps.
2: Hey guys. No. This comment. Do you see what my mouse? (laughs)
0: This made this is what
2: made Kelly pass out in the office.
0: I don't remember that part.
2: Oh, never mind. Anywho, Haley out. was like quaking. She was like no the entire time. I literally, I think I do that
3: one because I saw that. I'm like Hanabubu no. Also, again, kind of a, Monica, what you're talking about earlier is when people share anecdotal stories and they say like this one little mix made me lose 10 pounds in whatever amount of time whatever else it's probably because of other lifestyle changes let's say you do make that change and maybe lose your appetite a little bit so you're probably eating less because you just ate a table drank a tablespoon of cinnamon you know like that and just having more healthier foods around maybe you're Making lifestyle changes, if you're exercising more, it's. I think people don't attribute it to the right things.
0: Yeah, I feel like people don't realize it's the same thing as attributing your success into in the gym to the clothes you buy. Like, oh, I just bought this Gymshark clothes and I gained twenty pounds of muscle, like because of the Gymshark clothes. Well, let's look deep into it, like. Why did you purchase the Gymshark clothes? Oh, like, you know, I felt more confident. I've been going to the gym for a little bit. So, you know, I wanted to splurge, get something nice. I've been looking at their stuff. And then the more, every time I wore it, I had this association that I had to go to the gym, had to always have a good session in the gym, always have a good workout. Never skip the gym whenever I put on this shirt and these shorts from Gymshark. So it's like, oh, so it's not the clothes that gave you the success. It's like everything else. And you're just tying your success that dissociation so it's the same thing but i think people have a hard time kind of realizing it when it comes to food products and things that they directly ingest they're like oh because i directly ingested it it, this thing is giving me all this success that i was looking for so this is tough just got to keep fighting the good fight
1: this is a very easy and effective recipe Sorry. that will help you lose weight oh, in sure. the Corona 15. <laughs> not <laughs> this also. again. I can't ah, control. Grand risings, everyone. This is my tea. I've been drinking ginger, lemon, chamomile. Now let's check my weight. 138.2. I've lost 6.2 pounds. And this is day 11 for me. You
2: get rid of belly fat. Same thing. Mm-hmm.
0: This just thing. tea.
2: Yeah.
0: Also, the weight thing is... I can understand it from like a psychological point where it's like a lot of people do focus on it. Cause it's, it's the, it's a direct amount or a direct measure for a lot of people for, but I feel like when you start to realize and start to come into the fitness space, there was a girl who said she was 160 pounds and, and maybe people are like, Whoa, like, how are you? 160? Like I'm, I'm 165 and I was like amazed But it's just to show you that like weight really has not that big of a bearing when it comes down to it. Like someone can be 220 pounds and look like they're 300 pounds. And I think along with, you know, how many calories are in things, I think people have a a skewed idea of weight and what weight should and shouldn't look like. And there's no real cookie cutter answer to show you what 140 pounds is supposed to look like.
3: Yeah, that's one of those things you could have an entire podcast episode about, like weights, weight fluctuations, why people lost weight earlier in their weight loss journey versus later. Like, oh my gosh,
0: round two when you come back when yeah. we're bigger and we got when we get a million total listens, we'll welcome you back with open arms.
3: Oh, I'll get my <laughs> rose champagne ready.
0: Yeah, don't worry, we we won't we won't sell out that quickly. <laughs> so, a million total.
2: Sorry. Whoa, what the heck? Whoa. What just happened?
4: Get small meals per day and run. Also eat three big meals a day and walk. Eat lots of protein. Don't do cardio. It's bad for your joints. But you should know that cardio burns fat. Don't eat too much protein and get lots of sleep. But don't be sedentary. But don't be too active. It's easy. Just eat vegetables. Fruit is obviously good for you and also it's all sugar and bad for you. Speaking of sugar, I forgot to mention it's a vital source of quick-burning carbohydrates that your brain needs to survive, and you should avoid it at all costs. Drink water. Never starve yourself unless you call it intermittent fasting. Then it's okay to starve yourself a little bit. Fish is super good for you and also it's mercury, and it's killing you. And don't forget, Get some sun every day for vitamin D and skin cancer.
2: <laughs> I um, liked that that's one. That's a really good video. Uh, I mean,
3: yeah. it really encompasses like the confusion that we people get from mixed messaging online.
0: Yeah, it always comes down to who is saying it. Like, do they have? Some sort of certification? Is there integrity on the line? Do they even have any integrity? So you need to watch out who is giving you this information. Can they lose their license or can they lose their business if they gave you wrong information? I'm pretty sure like medical doctors don't give you the information because one, they have certain restrictions. They have, that's why they purchase insurance in case something does go wrong. And they're not just going to give you, uh, any information because, in the end, if you say something bad, then they could lose their license and that's their livelihood. So, if they're giving you, usually, if it's an MD or an RD or anyone with some sort of degree or certification that they could lose, then you know it's probably coming from the right place. They want the best for you, and they're only giving you the information that they know will be evidence based and backed by you know multiple people and can be re- reproducible. The other part is. So that's who. The next one is what. What are they What are they trying to say? What are they trying to sell you? If they're trying to sell you something, if they're telling you, you need to buy this at the very end, you know that they only have one thing in mind and it's not your health and safety. So you always have to be wondering about what. What are they saying? What are they trying to sell here? And then the last one is why. It kind of goes into the selling point also. Why would they tell you this? Do they have you in mind? Do they really want to just provide good, free, evidence-based information on the internet? Or is there something uh, kind of in the dark that they're not telling you? Maybe they do want to send you to their link to purchase more products. Maybe they want you to purchase something like ketones. You know, Maybe they want you to purchase one of their protein bars instead of someone else's. So it's who, what, and why. You need to be wary of who is telling you, what are they telling you, and why would they tell you this? And I think that's the easiest way to try to, you know, combat any disinformation because there is a lot of good information. There's a lot of bad information. And I think watching this video, even for me, like, yeah, dang, fitness is confusing. There's so many different things that you have to look out for. It's very nuanced. If it was, if it was easy, then, you know, RDs wouldn't exist. Personal trainers wouldn't exist. The only thing that would exist are maybe doctors to, you know, for acute injuries and surgeries, So there's a reason why there's, it's hard and it can be difficult, but I feel like as long as you fight disinformation by thinking about who, what, and why you should be on the correct path.
2: Also, typically people that I want to say, uh, what was I going to (laughs) say? Sugar nuts. Um, while well, I always approach it like trust no one, and you, I think you will find what you're looking for. Even if someone does say something, and you don't know whether or not to believe it, and you Google it, like whether or not you want to believe it or whatever, like you're going to click on the websites that explain, you know, that it's true or that explain that it's false. Like I think people also need to um, just. I don't know. People don't really know what sources to, what are you doing, to look yeah. for or how to read certain articles or um, whatever. And also, don't be afraid to ask the, the person sharing the content for resources. If Ooh, they can't give yeah. them to you, come on.
0: And they're a liar. They're a scammer.
2: <laughs> I love that. Um, so, personal responsibility, too
3: and what's their intention to with posting it like is their intention to sell products and even in mm. studies too like when I'm reading up like on the literature and I'm looking up I don't know like who funded it something who's funding exactly yeah, yeah Ellen you did a all... good job touching on that I think everything you explained was like perfect
0: cool thank, thank you, you. <laughs> is that it no that's more videos it. oh my gosh I think that's it well this has been An amazing episode. Thank you, Haley, for joining us today. Uh, The handle, we will be posting it all on, hopefully, the, the show notes for this. But if you don't get it, it's at the tipsy kale underscore R.D., or you can look her up by her name, Haley Gorski. That's H A I L E Y G O R S K I. Haley Gorski, and that's on TikTok and on Instagram and probably other social media. Uh, you'll fi- if you find one, you'll find the rest. Everyone has a link tree or something in their bio, directing you to all their social media handles. My name is Alan Yee at the Alan Yi. That was Monica at ASAP Money. Thank you guys for joining us on the Fitish Podcast, where fitness is not only our fetish, it is our passion. We're going to make that one stick. <laughs> and scene.